Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you'll enjoy this sermon from our series on the family, entitled Legacy. For more information about CBC or how you can get plugged in, visit us on the website, cbcsavannah.com. Father, I thank you for the fact that you have revealed yourself to be strong. I thank you that our church this morning is full. I mean, that's awesome to see people coming to worship Christ. And, uh, and so we are grateful for people having to stand up in church, and that's awesome. We're grateful the nurseries are full, that sometimes we even have to close them because they're so packed. Um, I, I just pray that you would keep guiding us as a church, keep leading us as a church, keep blessing this church with new people coming to faith, seeking you because you're drawing them to yourself um, for new families, for, for new conversions. Lord, we, we beg that you keep doing that. And I pray you would continue to raise up people for the harvest, that we are to pray that you would raise up harvest workers. And so we pray, raise up them up, Lord, here and throughout the world, that people may know Christ. We pray for the persecuted church today, uh, a day that we remember them, we'll remember them tonight. But again, Lord, so we, we freely come, and the worst problem we have is a full nursery, and we have to stand up. And... They are hiding, and they are losing their life for the gospel. And so we pray for them, give them strength and perseverance, and may many others come to know you um, through their testimony and through the gospel. I pray for this new series, as uh, short as it may be, Lord, use it to impact our families and our church and our culture and our world. Uh, you have chosen the church and the family as two institutions which you have created, picturing you, picturing what we are called to do. And so help us as we talk about it a little bit for the next couple weeks. Help me because I certainly am not perfect and I really don't have much to say apart from you. And so just guide me by your spirit and lead me so that your church is filled and equipped and encouraged. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. Am I a little hot on this mic? If, I think up on my monitors is like reverb or something. So you guys take care of that and I'll take care of this. All right, we are in a brand new series uh, and we have termed it this is a big debate what we're going to call it, but we called it Legacy. Um, And it is a series, in essence, on the family. It is a series on parenting. Just three weeks. We're going to be in a very large book of the Bible coming in just a few weeks, and we're excited about that. But just wanted to take some time and talk about this, because you don't have to look far, y'all, to see that the family and the home is in crisis. Just go to Walmart. All right, go to Walmart and watch. All right, or, or ask a school teacher. Any school teachers in the, in the house, raise your hand. All right, go talk to one of these folks, all right? And they will tell you how the family is broken. Or even go to the nursery sometimes, right? The church is not exempt from the chaos that has found its way into the family. Um, and so this is important, uh, a, a series. And we usually go through books of the Bible. If you're visiting, we usually, nine out of 10 sermons is through books of the Bible. Well, we just wanna take some time because this is such a huge issue. Because in the words of the famous theologian, Whitney Houston. (laughs) I believe that children are our future. (laughs) Teach them well. And that's about the only part that the rest of the song is lies. But that part is it, right there. (laughs) Don't let them lead the way. Don't show them all the beauty inside. No, no, none of that stuff. But I do believe that children are our future and we are to teach them well. And we have not done a good job. All right, we have not as a church as a culture, done a good job. 
Um, and so we're going to talk about that for a few weeks. And I know some of you are already like, well, I, I, I'm, be, that's, I'm a grandparent now, or I'm single, I'm high school, so I just can kind of go to another church for three weeks. So let me encourage you not to do that. Here's why. You are first and foremost, you know, we always didn't hear, oh, to be a parent is the most high calling. To be a mama is the most high calling. It is not. The most high calling is to be called a child of God. See how great the love the Father has for us that we should be called children of God and such we are. So, so it's not to be married, although great. It's not to be a, a father or mother, that's great. The highest calling you have is to be a child. And as a child, these principles are first and foremost for you as a child of God, and then they're applicable to the home. And at its core anyway, all parenting is, is leadership, 101. It's sacrifice, 101. And so all of us as children of God, those are our deals. Leadership, sacrifice, discipleship. So, so don't check out high school student, even middle school student, because I have some things for you guys too. Um, as we spend and talk our arms about this idea of legacy. And when we talk about legacy, just a, just a word that comes from a Latin word, which means to bequeath or to entrust. We are talking about that which comes after us. And you are leaving a legacy. And the question is what kind? And so we want something that's going to last. We want generations of Christ worshipers, okay? That's what we want. Generations of people who know Christ, who are on the mission of Christ, that's what we're after, okay? That's what we're talking about, legacy. And we're gonna spend the next three weeks getting our arms around that a little bit, okay? Um, and so here, here's, here's what we're not doing, all right? And well, let me give, give a disclaimer real quick. If you're looking for a perfect, for perfect parent, please leave, because you're not gonna find any here. And you're certainly not gonna find it on stage. I am smack dab in the middle of this deal. Oldest 16, youngest eight, two squeezed in the middle, and I am learning as I go. And I, we, I'm telling you, me and Sarah, we have done a lot, some things right and a lot of things wrong, and we are trying our best. But please don't put anybody in a pedestal. There's only one person in this church that belongs on a pedestal. His name is Jesus, he is the Messiah. Everyone else is a sinner and broken. I said, don't go to my kids and expect them to teach Bible study at the whatever or pray. Be oh, you're Pastor Bill's kid. You must, he must teach you how to preach. Yeah, we don't do that. Okay, just so you know. I don't teach, that's not their job. It is not, you know, oh, he's going to be the, the come in the pulpit left. No. That's not going to happen. So just understand brokenness speaking to broken people about truth. Right, and, and we're gonna, we're, we're gonna, I've been learning as I go and I've learned a ton from other people. And so most of this material, let me just be real honest, has been plagiarized from people I've learned from. So I got, you know, I've been at the JH Ranch and Bruce Johnston out there, I've taken some of his material and, and really a lot from Robert Lewis from Men's Fraternity. Most of this stuff is, for, is from his and a mentor and friend and pastor friend of mine who's ahead of me. And really, as I was reading their stuff, they all kind of are saying the same thing, just repackaged. So we're just going to repackage what they said, repackaged, and, and really, ultimately, it's because it's, it's out of here. And we're going to give big picture stuff here, because we only got three weeks. Here's what we're not doing. We're not offering you a formula. A plus B equals perfect kid. Guaranteed results. We are not doing that. In the words of another famous theologian, homie the clown, homie don't play that. Okay? Because the human heart does not work that way. Image bearers made in God's image for his glory. You cannot plug in a formula and expect a guaranteed result. So we are not offering you a formula. Kids are not a bookshelf that you just follow these instructions and put it together and bingo, there it is, right? And, and it may sound good and it may sell books, but let me tell you, thinking that you can just kind of formulize raising kids, you, it may sound like it's a lot of faith. It's actually lack of faith. 
It's actually unbelief. Because if you have all the answers and all you have to do is just plug in all the, the A plus B, then what do you need God for? You don't. You got your book. You got your program. So it's actually an act of unbelief. So we're not offering a formula, but at the same time, we're not offering laziness, that we are not to be negligent. Just this idea of let go and let God, and I'll just let the schools do it, and I'll let the church do it, and, and, and I don't really want to sacrifice much. We're not talking about that either. We want diligent parents, diligent work, working, doing our best, and trusting God with the results. And the third thing we're not doing is we're not trying to guilt anybody or shame anybody, because everyone is messed up. And, and, and we got folks all over the spectrum where you're like, you're going to hear stuff you're like, we didn't do that. Did we just mess our kids up for life? No. And some of you, are, you, you had an abortion when you were 17 or when you're 25 and there's guilt there. Some of you are right now struggling with fertility. You're not able to have kids. You're like, what's wrong with that? And there's all sorts of these things. Some of you grew up in such a, a train wreck of a home that you're thinking, I do not want to bring a kid into my train wreck of a life. And what we're not trying to do is, is shame you or guilt you or, or anything. Okay? What we are trying to do is build legacy. Right? We are here because you are a bunch of broken people. And I'm here to tell you about it. And I am too. And God redeems broken, messed up people. All right? So that's where we start. We're not doing any of those. No formulas, no laziness, no guilt, no shame. And, and just so you know, you're going to have a lot of questions. I get it. So here's what we're going to do. If you have questions... Right? I want you to email them, to not to Cain this time. Usually I send them to Cain, but now email to questions at cbcsavannah.com because here's what we're going to do. For the, for the questions that we think are really good, sometimes, you know, there's no bad questions. Yeah, there are. They're bad questions, okay? But, but for the ones that we think that are actually pretty good, we're going to do a video blog, bring some of the uh, guys who are in that season or may have some truth to speak about it, whose kids are, are a little bit older. You know, we're going to bring the 22-year-old guy. Let me tell you about kids. I got a degree in childhood education from Georgia. All right, we're going to bring the guy who's been through, and we're going to ask and, and get some answers, and we're going to put it on the web. And we're going to start doing this frequently, right? Because Jordan is so good with videos. You saw his video earlier. Phenomenal. We're going to put him to work. But if you have questions, do that. Or fill it on the Connect card. Say, what do I do about my this? Okay? Because we're not going to be able to cover everything. We're going to get big picture principles. What are we doing? And then we're going to work specifically, and we'll start today, through specific age groups. What do I do with three-year-olds? What do I do with five-year-olds? What about the nine and 10-year-olds? What about those early teens? What about the 21-year-old? What about when I'm 46 and now I'm becoming a parent for my parent? Right? We always talk about parenting, oh, the six-year-old. What about when you are taking care of your mom and dad? We've got a lot of folks that are doing that. So we're going to work through all those things and just give some big-picture ideas a framework for you to explore, maybe in your community groups, maybe with your spouse, maybe with your fiance, maybe with the, some other single moms in the church, and we're going to work through that, okay? That's where we're going. I don't got a lot of time. If you have a Bible, turn to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. And what we have, I want to give you three kind of big picture principles right up front, all right? And if you're like 16, 18 years old, and you're not even dating anybody, and marriage is not a future, just write them inside your Bible. You'll come back to them one day, all right? Because you're thinking, oh, I'll never be married. You know, 10 years from now, you're going to be like five kids, you know, okay. So just write them down and coming back to them, all right? And I don't have time to exegete this entire psalm, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just highlight some, some words for us to kind of guide us. And so here's what the psalmist says. It's a song of ascent of Solomon. Song of ascent is like party psalm, going up the hill of Jerusalem. They're going to celebrate at the temple, and they're all singing real loud as they go. It's a, it's a real celebratory idea. And he says this, unless the Lord builds the house... Those who build it labor in vain. 
Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go, to late re- and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. And he's going to go into kids, right? This is actually a psalm that's read in, historically in, in, uh, in, in the Old Testament after children were born, right? But he starts out saying, giving two big tasks, building a house, guarding a city. And notice the repetition of one word three times. He says, unless, you build a house, unless the Lord builds it, what is it? Vain. Unless the Lord guards it, vain. It's in vain that you're staying up late. It's in vain you're waking up early. Right? And what is he saying ultimately? He said, if, if God ain't in that, it don't matter what time you wake up and what time you go to bed. It doesn't matter how hard you look. It doesn't matter how hard you watch. It doesn't matter how good the building is. Unless God is behind that, it is empty. And then he applies this to parenting because he talks about kids. And the point is this. If God is not involved in your parenting, in your family, if he's not behind that deal, it don't matter how, you can read all the books and you can be the best parent and you can put all the, the formula, oh, we got a little young life, sprinkle a little young life in there and we'll sprinkle a little 88.1 and, you know, and sprinkle a little youth group and a little scripture memory, a little homeschool, a little boo, and oh, out pop. That's a salad, that's not a kid. But... If you think you got all the ingredients and, and if you got them all in there and, and the Lord is not in that, it is vain. It is vain. Because parenting, y'all, is not about you getting it all right and getting all the answers right and covering all the bases. And I'm not saying all those things I mentioned are bad, but you can't cover all the bases. You just can't. You're broken. And so here's our first guiding word. Okay, first guiding word I want to keep coming back to. It's faith. The fact that you cannot cover all the bases drives some of you nuts, I know. You OCDers, right? The fact that it's not ultimately up to you, it is super frustrating to some of y'all and super freeing to some of y'all. I get that. But, but here's the principle. The, the idea of faith is this. It's not, well, let go, let God. It's, I am going to be diligent to do God, all God has, has called me to do. But in the end, it is not me doing anything. I am not going to trust in my getting it right. I'm going to trust in God ultimately in his grace. I'm going to trust God with my kids, which is hugely freeing to me when I have four. Now, I got Friend Finder on my iPhone, and I know where they're at most of the time. Great app for you parents. But ultimately, I can't be everywhere. I'm going to miss things. And some of you, I love this in verse 2. Some of you are eating the bread of anxious toil. That's you. You're always worried. Oh my goodness. My kid's in second grade. He's not reading yet. He's in the average kid's class. And what if he goes to the average kid's class and sits next to an average kid and he gets invited to the average kid's birthday party and at the average kid's birthday party, they see a commercial for the Simpsons and he's gonna wanna watch the Simpsons and then he's gonna wanna be like Bart Simpson and he's gonna start smoking in sixth grade. He's gonna start hanging out with smokers. And then he's, then he's gonna, he's gonna, that's just a gateway drug. Then he's gonna start smoking pot and he's gonna be in a gang. And then he's gonna have, be a convicted felon all because he was an average reader. <laughs> and you're just spastic. Can't eat hot dogs. It's gonna ruin their life. Can't eat Lucky Charms, even though Pastor Bill always encourages me to. <laughs> and aren't you sick? of eating the toil of anxious bread? I mean, really? Aren't you sick of it? Right? Uh, You don't have to be everywhere. God is. 
You don't have to be the perfect parent because God is. You don't have to see everything. God sees the heart. He knows your kids' friends. He knows their influences. He, he knows all those things. And here's the thing you got to grasp. Who, God loves your kids infinitely more than you do. God cares more about your kids than you do. All right? And you're like, no, yes. So you can trust. You're diligent. You do your best. But in the end, it's vain unless he's involved. And so the best thing you can do, parent, grandparent, uncle, 18-year-old who will be married in 10 years and have kids, is you walk daily with Jesus. And you let that relationship, you and him, just be the overflow of your parenting. Right? And you just trust that God is sovereign enough to take care of the deal. Even though you let your kids eat Lucky Charms, which is fine. Okay? So faith is our first word. Verse three. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies. He, he compares kids to two things here. Number one, they are a heritage. They're inheritance. They're a reward. It's, it's not the view that the culture has of kids, which are inconvenient and they're all these things. But in all honesty, if they are an inheritance, how many of you are like, Get the phone call, oh, Uncle Charlie passed away and he left you $100,000. That stinking Uncle Charlie, I don't want his money. How many of you are doing that? I'm like, Vegas, I'm going somewhere. Get on a plane, give me the money. Don't tell the government, let's go. <laughs> Nobody turns down a reward. No one turns down an inheritance. And the point is not have as many kids as you can because then you're more blessed. The point is the value of kids. They are valuable, like an inheritance. They are reward. And then they are like arrows, in the hands of a warrior. The point for an, an arrow is only good when it is shot. It's got to get out of the quiver. This is why 25-year-old men living in their parents' bunkhouse playing Xbox is not good. The arrow needs to leave the house. And, and, and an arrow is only good when it is actually aimed at something. Okay, you don't just like, hey, boom. You know, that's, that's not how you do it. You take aim at a target and you release, right? And the second word I want us to think about is just, is just target. Is your children, your grandkids, your nieces, are, are, are arrows meant to be shot at a target? And here's the thing you need to understand, parent, you don't get to pick the target. It's not your choice. You don't get to decide what they're going to be. You don't get to decide their gifts. This is their purpose. God does. He made them. He gave them to you for a very short time. And your job is to get that arrow on his mission. And that kid is not there to get rich and be successful and get the scholarship. And he may or he may not. She may or she may not. But that is not the goal. The goal is not so that you can brag to your buddies how successful you are and make you look good. The goal of your children is to make God look good. Okay? That is the target, is to get your kid on his mission, what he's doing in the world, and use their gifts and how they're made individually to do so. And that's going to require, number one, that you are on God's mission. You're not just, a, I go to church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking you are living your life for the glory of God at Calvary, at SCAD, at Gulfstream, at whatever high school, at whatever office that you are living for his glory there. If you're not doing that, don't expect those little kids to. You gotta do that. You gotta know your kids. You gotta know their strengths. You gotta know their weaknesses. I got four, every single one of them different. 
There's no one size fits all. If I put all four of my kids on the stage right now, pew, one of them is gonna wanna hide. One of them's gonna wanna dance. One of them's gonna be looking out there thinking, I can beat you, you, you. And one of them's gonna wanna be your best friend. They're all gonna come differently. I gotta know that. And I gotta approach that differently and use their gifts and their abilities so that God can, I can shoot them at God's purpose, whatever that is, which I don't get to decide. You gotta know your kids. You gotta know what God's mission is. And, and ultimately, you, you gotta work hard, right? You have to work hard because the time is short. I realized this yesterday. I was at my 20-year reunion at the Citadel, right? And my roommate said, if I mention his name in a sermon, he might listen to my sermon, which he needs to listen, Gray. You need to listen to the sermon. All right, so I'm gonna mention him. I'm gonna text him afterwards. But I'm talking to my roommate, Gray, right? And... And I, and I told him, it struck me. I said, Greg, you realize this? Okay, my dad was one year older than I am right now when he dropped my tail off at the Citadel. And he was like in shock. And I was in shock. I was like, that's crazy. 20 years? Like that? At my next reunion, my oldest will be 21. And I'm like, How, we're, it is short. Time is so quick, and, and it's just like an arrow on the bow. The arrow on the bow is there only for a short time, right? And then it's shot. It doesn't, you don't sit there walking around like this. Hey, everybody, what's going on? <laughs> no, it's boom, target, boom. So your, your time is short, life is short, and everything that you have is going to be your kids anyway. So you better build a legacy. All right? You better build something that's beyond money. And, and, and so target, faith, and here's the last, last word real quick, it's community. And, and, what, and the idea there is you have holes and gaps that you do not see as a parent, and so do I. And you need other people to fill those gaps, All right? You need other people to say, hey, have you thought about this? Have you done this? Just like you do as a 17-year-old and you're thinking, hey, I know everything. You need someone to come in and say, no, you don't. All right, and, and it may be a, a community group leader, and it may be a buddy, it may be someone who's got kids that are a little bit older than you, but somebody should be speaking some truth. And the idea there is we raise these kids together as a body, because the goal is for all of us to leave legacy. All right, so those are some key words we're gonna talk about as we, t- as we kind of work through this, this idea, and keep coming back to it. It's, it's God's gotta work, we're gonna hit the target, putting them on God's mission, and then ultimately we do it together as a body, all right? Um, so let's talk about how we so about shooting some actual arrows out here. Um, we've created this graph, which is is very similar to ones that have been created before, um, and and we've kind of broken the parenting deal into you know four ages really because there's a plus twenty, but the zero to five age and the six to twelve and these ages are there's overlap, so it could be four, it could be six. Okay, so don't don't focus as much here, but we're going to focus on some main ideas of what to teach and what to train these kids at each ages. Right, whether it's establishing authority, zero to five, we'll talk about today, next week, developing responsibility, and then facilitating independence. The goal is independence. The goal is the arrow out. And then beyond that, what does that look like even past 20? Um, so this is kind of what we're gonna do. And, and we'll talk today about that first, that first age. Um, if you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians 6 real quick. Or you can follow along on the screen. This is a famous passage. A lot going on here. Let me just read it and I'll, and I'll highlight some things. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, 
Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. A lot going on in this text. But here's the big E on the eye chart for this, this little four-verse deal, right? Um, here's kind of what its big picture is, that you have to ask the question, in your home or in your future home, who is the boss? Who's in charge? Because the text is, is not clear on some things. It's not clear on how old the kids are. It says children. We don't know if they're young. We don't know if they're old. We got no, we got no indications from Paul. But here's what the text is very clear about, that someone in the house is obeying and someone in the house is being obeyed, right? And the ones that's being obeyed are the parents. Children obey, parents you are required to what? Teach. Verse four, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. You're not to overwhelm them. You're not to exasperate them. What are you to do? To bring them up in the discipline and instruction. There is a training piece, an instruction piece. There is a discipline piece. And the, and the weight of that goes to specifically dads, but parents as a whole, that you are to teach and train and they are to follow, right? And why do we do this? Why do we have to train? Because foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. I don't have to teach my kids to be lazy, all right? They'll do that all by themselves. I don't have to teach them to, to, to lie. They, and my, I promise you, my wife is not at home saying, okay, this is how you lie to your dad and this is how you hate your brother, okay? They naturally do that. So what we're trying to do is the opposite. There is a teaching piece, there's a training piece that is falls on us as parents to move on. And God has said, I've given you this arrow. It's a very short time. I want you to train. I want you to teach. You say, what are we supposed to be teaching? Here's, here's, where, here's where this chart is helpful, okay? And, and this, again, this is not all inclusive. This is not everything. But in these specific areas, whether there's overlap or not, we're gonna focus on one big picture principle that you wanna be training your kids in. And for this zero to five, zero to six, zero to four, we wanna be talking about establishing authority. As time moves on, the idea is this, big key to this graph, is that as time moves on, there is more and more freedom given to the child, right? Because we're, and we're gonna equate you know, age with, with maturity, which is not always true, but we're gonna say that a 16-year-old is gonna be more mature than a five-year-old. And so as time goes on, the goal is to give more freedoms, more responsibility, so that they are ready to be shot out into the world. That's the key. But early in life, in this time, what is key is establishing authority. Is that child learning to come under the authority of his parents? You need to train and equip and teach early the simple idea of, of self-control, of self-mastery, where they are able to humble themselves and listen to what dad or mom has said. And here's why it's important. Because the same skill for the five-year-old who mom says, put your bowl in the sink and wash it out and put it in the dishwasher, that same idea of coming under is the same skill that a 13-year-old's gonna need when mom and dad are not in the house and he's out with his buddies and then he's gotta make a wise decision. And it's the same skill for the 19-year-old who's off at school now and there's nobody around and nobody watching that he would make a wise decision. And it's the same skill for the 46-year-old when he's in Detroit for a conference and all the guys are like, let's go to the pub and let's go to the bar and let's go do this. It's the same self-mastery that he needs to have so that he goes back to the hotel room and calls his wife rather than going to the club. And we teach it early, right? We teach it early. 
Because there's a promise. He says that your life, it may go well with you. You live long in the land. The, the people that are able to follow instructions and put themselves under authority, it goes well for them more often than not because they're not bucking everything. They're not pushing back on everything. Right? And what has happened in our culture, here's what we've done. We've actually flipped this graph. Right? Go back to this graph. Oop, there it is. Nope. There it is. You guys are doing the same thing as me at the same time. Here, let me go. All right. We have flipped it. So we have given little guys all sorts of freedoms. Do what you want. Running around like a little rug rat. Woo, everywhere. They can do anything they want. And it has made them wise in their own eyes. They have become self-sufficient. They are not humble. And when that child turns 14 and 15, he is not able to master himself and make wise decisions. So what do we do? We squeeze them and we press down and we we follow him everywhere and we're in the bushes looking where he's doing and we're tracking him on his phone. Why? Because he is not able to master himself. And a 16 year old guy and girl whose parents are squeezing him, they feel like I should have some independence and they are right, but they can't have independence. Why? Because we're squeezing them because we gave them too much freedom when they were little kids and they don't know how to master themselves anymore. So we're, we're, we're giving them freedom early and we're squeezing them down late and what we're suggesting is we should flip that, right? Is that we should, less freedoms when they're young, teach them to follow, teach them to listen. And then as they get older, we release as they are able to master themselves more, as they're able to, to make decisions that are, that are wise, right? And, and let me show you how this works. I, here's a great example of how God does this to the people of Israel, all right? And you don't have to turn it, I'll put it on a slide. But in Deuteronomy 8, it is a, it's basically a recap of what God has done to the people of Israel. They got to the, they were about to go into, Israel, into the land of Canaan and they get to the river and, and he's like, okay, we're gonna go in. And then the people are like, yeah, it's a great land, but, but there's giants and, and we'll never be able to do it and we can't go in. We're scared, we don't believe in God. And so God says, fine, you got some lessons to learn. He takes them back out into the wilderness for what? For 40 years. At the end of that 40 years, he says, okay, have you learned? All right, so let's go back in now. And this passage is him kind of recapping that. And this is what he says. Oh, he says, the whole commandment that I command you today, you should be careful to do. Why? Because they didn't do it before. That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to you and your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God led you these 40 years. Remember what I've been doing. I, I did it, why? That I might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. What did God do when they disobeyed, when they rebelled against his authority? He, he removes them and he humbles them. And then what does he do? He says, he humbled you and he let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. We've heard Jesus say that, right? But he humbled, he teaches, he removes, he takes away their food. He puts them in the desert and says, how are you gonna eat now? That cactus? There's two million of you, by the way. How are you all gonna eat that cactus? So what does he do? He removes their freedom. He removes all their choices where they have to wake up every day and go get frosted flakes from heaven. They literally are getting fed by God every meal. And they're literally having to take every step following God. He has limited their freedoms. He's limited their choices to teach them, to trust him and to humble them. It's the same thing we're talking about for that. It sounds like a, a parent of a four-year-old, right? Here's your Frosted Flakes. Here's your clothes. Here's your this. It's, it's, it's very similar. But God is doing that. And even then he says in verse four, he says, but, but 
you, not every word comes out of the mouth of God. And then he says, your clothing didn't wear out and you and your foot did not swell for these 40 years. He's still caring for them. He's still meeting their needs, just like a mom, just like a dad. But know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord disciplines you. I did this for your good. I did this to teach you humility, to depend on me, all these things. I removed choices and I removed freedoms so that you would get it, so that you would get it. And it was good. It's the same thing we're trying to do with our kids. And by the way, in case you were wondering, it's the same thing God's trying to do with you. Because how many parents have been like ever, you just had this profound piece of wisdom that you told your kids and you're like, man, that was pretty good. And then the next moment, God's like, that was awesome. How about you try some of that? And I'm like, no. So I'm a parrot, right? But that's what God is trying to do in us. That we would come under his authority, that we would humble ourselves, and that we would listen. Why? Because, because this is what the successful people in the world do. This is, people have an idea of what authority is in coming under authority. It's a boss. You're going to have a boss one day. You're going to have a teacher one day. You're going to have a coach. I coached high school baseball for, for five and a half years. And my first two years, I made the mistake of picking the best kids. Right? And I picked the best kids, and I had a bunch of prima donnas who thought they were the best, and it was miserable. And my third year of coaching, it was revolutionary. What did I do? I cut all the good players, or a lot of them, the prima donnas, and the players with bad parents. Yes, I cut kids because of their parents. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> because I, don't, I didn't want to deal with bad parents. And I tell you, it was an enjoyable experience. We won more games. Because you give me a guy that will listen to a coach and is teachable, I'm going to win more games than the prima donna. I'm just going to do it. Because he knows how to listen to authority. He knows to come under a, a head, right? Look, and, and some of you, one day, some of you are gonna give your precious daughters away. You're gonna walk down this aisle or another aisle. I can tell you, I'm not gonna give my precious daughter away to some knucklehead who has never put himself under the authority of another. I'm gonna put him in authority now and he's never been under authority? No way. I'm telling you, I got guns. Okay, I'm just... Just saying, all right? Some of you 21, 22-year-olds, you're going to graduate from Georgia, you, uh, Georgia Southern, wherever. You're going to go into a place, and the temptation is going to be thinking, oh, I, got a, I got a bachelor's from UGA. Let me tell you how to run this place. You just need to hush, and you need to learn, right? And then you'll realize when you're 42, eh, here comes the UGA grad, class of 2030, right? Yeah, I mean, it's the same deal. But you've got to learn to be under. And we're trying to train our children now to, to, to master themselves and come under the authority. Because we, we want it to be normal for our kids to just put their faith in Christ. That they're, they're listening to their parents and then they're going to put their, their self under the authority of King Jesus. And it's just, it's just a natural progression of what they see. And if you're not, if you're the rebel, if you're bucking it, I can tell you your kids are going to. You're like, why do you disrespect your teacher like that? Because they hear you talking trash about your boss. Ooh, I got some of y'all there, didn't I, huh? That's just the way it is. And so it's, it, at this age, you're, you're teaching and training to come under you. And I love the model of the Lord Jesus. Y'all, just study Jesus. You know, there's not much on Jesus' kids. You got like one story. But I mean, he, he's in Jerusalem. He's in church for three days. And his parents are like, I can't believe you went to church for three days and you didn't tell us. And he is humble and he is gentle with his mom. 
And here's, a, here's the God of the universe as a 12-year-old boy now, and he is listening to sinful people and putting them, himself under their authority. I mean, if Jesus can do it, we do it. And it is our job to teach our children, our young guys, right? Hey, this is what God, the go, your goal is to capture their imagination and teach them, right? There's no formula. You can't command humility. You be humble. They don't know. What a four-year-old is going to be humble? What does that mean? But you need to teach them that, to trust you and to come under you, right? It's, it's a huge piece of what you should be doing from that zero to six-year-old right now. And it's a huge piece for what you need to be doing yourself, right? Let me give you just some practical things, and I'm going to be late. So, Ethan, we're only doing two songs, just a heads up. Two songs. Make it a call, right? Um, <laughs> let me give you just quick some practical things, and, and, and I could give you a thousand, and I'm not going to embarrass my family because we've messed up on these things. But let me just give you some things to be thinking about for that zero to five, zero to six age, okay? Here's the first one. Have clear expectations of what it means to obey in your house. Your children should know what it means. And, and these, are, these are cane specials right out of his house. Three, three things. Obedience should be right away, all the way, and the happy way. All right? Right away means when I say something, you do it now. All right? It's not, I'm not going to count to 20. Because when I'm counting to 20, who am I giving authority? The four-year-old. It is, not, it is not good when the four-year-old is the master of the house. That is called enslavement. When he is dictating everything. The most immature person in the house is in charge. Not good. So we're not going to count because it's going to be right away. It's going to be all the way. We're going to finish the task. So when I say, kids, I want you to take your shoes up into the closet and put them there. I want you to take the trash all the way to the garage. I'm not finding shoes on the stairs. I kind of am sometimes. So I need to have, I need to, you might need to get down and show them what it means to put their clothes away. Because I've done this. Go put your clothes away. That's a, that's a very broad thing. <laughs> okay. So, so clothes all over the, you know, woo, the grate. So I'm going to take them upstairs. I'm going to say, open drawer. Underwear here. Socks here. Now I've explained it, I've discipled, I've taught, I've trained. Now it's clear what is expected. All the way. Trash all the way to the garage, not in front of the door. Right? That's what we want to teach them. And then, in the happy way. There should be not a huffing and puffing, there should be a joyfulness. And that's hard. You can't command that. So you got to, when, when you see that huffing and puffing, you got to, hey buddy, you got to get down on their level. Hey, I know taking the trash is hard. It's really not that hard. But it's hard for you. Here's what I, but here's the thing. I love you and God loves you. And, and it's just dishonoring to me when you, and just have those conversations. And it's not a one-time deal, y'all. If you think, one, oh, I'm gonna do, Fowler's got us now. I'm gonna do one thing and tomorrow my kids are gonna be perfect. No, this is 18 years. And I, the reason I know is because I'm not joyful when I obey. So it's actually more than that. It's 42 years. Because <laughs> God wants the same thing from you as he wants from that six-year-old. Because we're all thinking, yeah, I'd love to have kids that are all the way and happy way. And, yeah, and God would love to have kids who are that way. <laughs> right? So it's all of us. Okay? So just be clear there. Right? You're not nagging. You're not pleading. You're not threatening. Does God nag? Does he plead? Does he threaten? That's not how he does it, right? Second thing, have appropriate consequences for disobedience and follow through. Follow through. The punishment should fit the crime, right? And there's all sorts of options and there's not one. And if you have four different kids like me, different things for different kids. Some kids in my house, they'll be like, I'll take a spanking because it's over and I'm done. And so you can't do that to that kid because that kid's too smart. 
Like you gotta be creative. And it doesn't always fit the crime. So it might be removing that kid, it might be removing this thing, it might be taking something away, it might be isolating, right? It might be, it might be some kind of spank, all different things. But the whole point is it should be fitting so that your child knows that you're not mad that you're trying to get to their heart. And if you are mad, then you certainly don't need to be issuing any discipline. You need to go and chill and have a glass of milk and cookies and then come back and do it when you've calmed down, right? Because discipline is love. It just should be appropriate, right? It should fit the crime. Just kind of eye for an eye idea. Like, you did this, you did this. A couple weeks ago, I'll I'll just share a quick story. I won't say which kids, but you'll figure it out. Probably that's okay. We had two, two of my boys and they had a buddy over. Right, and we have a rule in our house: no technology in the in the rooms, and certainly not for young kids. Right, but so it's Saturday night, and it's like four in the morning, and I wake up for some reason, and I hear banging upstairs. Like, what in the world is going on? So I go up the stairs, and I see three little boys with like a playing like Clash of Clans or something at four in the morning. They set the alarm for four in the morning, and I was like, okay. That's very wise of you. I'm going to take that thing. And your discipline is you don't get to do anything, Clash of Clans or whatever it was, for a month. And that was like, "Ah!" punishment fit the crime. Right? They're not going to do that at four in the morning. Next time it happened, they did it at seven in the morning. Right? But but it fits. It's appropriate. Okay? Uh, And that's the point. And make sure you differentiate between recklessness, especially with boys, and disobedience, because boys are just reckless, right? They kick balls in the house, and that doesn't mean they're not keeping the 10 commandments, all right? Just because they're boys. And you might have told them, and then you might have deal with them then, but boys kick balls in the house and, and hit sisters with bats, not on purpose, sometimes on purpose, but once, in, and they do things. And you need, they need to deal with that. You need to deal, it's not appropriate. You don't sing, you know, we got vases in the house. You don't kick the ball, in, you, you deal with it, but it's not the same, okay? So just make sure... Uh, that you deal with that. Here's the third thing, is, is parent preemptively. Your best parenting comes before the issue, right? So get ahead of it. Sit down with your spouse. If you're a single mom, sit down with another single mom. If you're, if you're a fiance, yes, what are we gonna do? What is, you wanna talk, what is the target? And you parent to the target because you're gonna make mistakes, but it's always better to get ahead than to be in the moment. So when you're in the car and you're going to grandma's, you, you don't wait till you get to the house and, you know, and, and all of a sudden something happens. Okay, guys, remember, Grandma has cats. We hate cats, but that's okay. Grandma loves cats. Don't torture the cats. Leave the cats alone. You have that conversation in the car beforehand, not in the moment. You're going to the grocery store. Guys, we're going to the grocery stores are sinful places. It's demonic, all right? And so, guys, we're going to the grocery store. There's all sorts of Kit Kats and temptation and wickedness. We're not doing Kit Kats today. All right, you know that, right? No, we're not getting, no, we're not buying that, no. So do that in the car so that you're not so mad because the kids, yeah, the Kit Kat, can I have a Kit Kat, can I have a Kit Kat, right? You've parented before. See, I've been there, I got four, right? I know this. But that's the idea. See, you're dealing with things, you're having conversations before. Even when you're older, okay, high school kid, here's your, okay, your, your expectations are we're gonna get this kind of grades and this is what we're gonna do. And here's the consequence if you don't and here's the reward if you do. And so we're gonna do that before it so that we're not so mad when it happens and they're five minutes late and, they, and you know, you've had that conversation already. And they knew when they were five minutes late, this is what's gonna happen. And you can say, oh, there it is. So you're not mad and you're parenting ahead of time. 
Here's, here's expectations. And it's, and it's hard sometimes, but you gotta do it. And you gotta get away with your spouse maybe on a date and, and talk about these things before you're all mad at each other for having, why do we have these children? And you know, all these things, right? Fourth thing, limit freedoms and set boundaries. This is my opinion, and I think it's right, because it's my opinion. <laughs> three-year-olds should not be deciding what they eat. We are giving two and three and four. Four-year-olds should not be telling mom what they're gonna wear and where they're gonna go and what time they're going to bed. And That is not, you are making your child, maybe unintentionally, wise in their own eyes. And you're making them autonomous of you and they are, they are not, they're, they're gonna walk around the house like, what do I need these parents for? They're just, my, they're just my serfs. I'm in charge here, right? And that child, when he's 14, is going to be a terror Right, he's gonna be a terror, right? And so he's elevated himself, he's under his own authority, and, and, and he's not gonna be humble. And so what do you do with that child? You put him in a form of wilderness. You, remove, you, you, you feed him manna, you take away his choices until he learns to put himself under. And here's the thing, when you do this and you feel that child start bucking up underneath you, you know you've hit the right spot. You're like, that was the issue. Because they're becoming arrogant. They're becoming proud, like all of us. Just like when God says, boom, we're like, no! It's the same thing, right? And, and it's loving and it's, it's, it's caring, but it, you know, you gotta you got rein it in. They gotta learn to come humbly under your authority, humbly under you as you humbly follow God. All right, so set some boundaries, limit freedoms. Here's a real key kind of side note. Limit technology when they're younger, if you can, right? I mean, if they have an iPad and they're like 18 months old, you've probably missed that one. Um, they should, if you haven't, if you're, if you're a dad and you haven't, and you have little boys and girls and you haven't read the Chronicles of Narnia to them yet, you are a sinner. <laughs> they should know the Chronicles of Narnia by the time they're 10. Take a chapter a night, your kids will love it. You'll love it, right? But you, the, instead of letting them watch, you know, the Simpsons or something, read to them. Teach them to love to read, right? That's a side note, all right? Last one is this, teach them to value others. The reason why we don't pull the cat's tail at grandma's is because even though grandma's wrong, she likes cats. And so, because we value grandma, grandma has value, and so we're not going to do that because grandma has value. The reason we don't take the last cookie even there's one cookie left and there's four kids. And the reason we ask, does anyone else want this cookie? It's because people have value and they're just as important as you are. The reason we don't bust into an adult conversation is because that person has value and it's rude. The reason we look adults in the eye and shake their hands, if I have one more lousy handshake from a young man, I'm gonna puke on him. <laughs> All right, don't give me no fish hand. All right, I'm just telling you. And look that person in the eye and... Yes, sir. Because there's value there and there's respect, right? And so that's why, it teach them that. The reason we share is because of value. The reason we do this is value. They need to learn that at a young age. This is what Jesus did. He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He's taking the form of a, of a servant. Puts himself under Mary and Joseph. Puts himself under the, the high priest at times. Right, if he can do it, that's, that's what we're doing. We're valuing other people, right? It's, it's a huge piece and it's something we all have. It's why we do a greeting, it's why we give ourselves, we get you in community, we serve each other because people matter, right? All right, this is just some things. A lot more could be said. You have questions, again, go to questions.com. But the, the key is this, 
at that young age, we're teaching to establish authority. Why? Because we want to develop responsibility and we want to shoot them out at independence and we want them to leave legacy. And I know some of you are in this season and it is the hardest. I think it's, it's hard in many ways. It's easy in other ways. It is, a, it is a tiring season. I was at my reunion last night and a lot of these guys are like, I got two-year-olds. I'm like, you're 42, you got two-year-olds? You crazy? I'm like, I got, my youngest is eight, baby. I'm done. I mean, you guys can have that, you know, I'm done that deal. But it is a, it is a tiring season, diapers. You never have clean carpet for the next 12 years. Um, but I'll tell you this, it's a great time too. You know why? Because you got every kid at home right now. And one day you're gonna cry about that when they don't. It's good when they leave. When the arrow leaves the bow, it's like, yes, it's great, hit the target. But when you, it's good to have them at home too. It's good to eat dinner together, watch a movie together, laugh together, get in the mini together. It's fun. Minivan, not mini, all right? Um, because we wanna see these kids come up knowing Jesus and shooting them out, right? Again, the humility piece is huge because we, we, we have to train towards humility because it's the key to salvation. I mean, if you don't need a savior, if you've been told you're the greatest thing ever, why do you need a savior? You don't. So we wanna teach humility early so that they see their need for a king, their need for a savior, their need because they're broken. That's where the gospel comes in. It starts with teaching them to, to follow Christ, follow God. All right, I've gone long. That's not my fault. Actually, I've not 46 minutes. So it's somebody else's fault today. Let me pray. We'll sing two songs. You guys stand. Father, I just pray as we work through this that you would use this for your glory, that parents would be challenged, encouraged, helped a little bit. I, I just pray for fruit in our children. And even for those who, who are not married yet, the, even for the teenagers, that they would be thinking about these things. What does it mean to follow? What does it mean to listen? What does it mean to honor? Just wherever is needed in this church, um, just meet that need. I pray as we worship tonight and pray tonight that you'll be glorified. Even now as we just sing a couple songs, um, as we turn to you, I just pray uh, for your, your name to be exalted here. In Christ's name.